right, folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune, because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm so excited to be hosting the show here on Monday night, just like I get to every week, because I've got the best freaking job in the world. My name's Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And if you're not, if you don't know what Rec Poker is all about, A, thanks for tuning in. Um, we are a recreational group of poker players. We love learning the game together, playing together. We help each other get better because it's best to get better together. And we play for fun, but it's more fun when you win. So come join for free over at rec.poker. Um, or if you want to take your game to the next level, you can try our premium membership for only $15 a month. And if you use the code RECPOKER, you get your first month for only 5 bucks. Uh, but most of what we do here is free. We are a largely volunteer-based organization, which is why I have to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. I also have to thank all the other members of the Wrecking Crew, because you get used to hearing my voice on Mondays, but I'm just one of the Wrecking Crew members that makes all the magic happen around here. If you want to find out more about me and other members of the Wrecking Crew, please go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can just listen up, because you're going to meet a few of them right here tonight on the air. I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5B5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. My name is Joe Coolis, and you can find me on Twitter at, at JoeCoolPhD, cool with a K, and at Elvita11 uh, in the home game. And I'm John Somsky, Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50, just about everywhere. And I'm so excited. Uh, every time we get a new uh, premium member, my face lights up. I get a little email from the website saying that uh, some, some new people have given it a try. Uh, I want to thank Dean Campbell for trying us out over the last little while. Dean's a fun uh, player uh, player to follow on Twitter. Um, Ken Patchy, he's also uh, been a guest here in the podcast a couple times recently. And I think he's already won a prize for being in the YouTube chat. So I'll just remind all our listeners... It's free, like so many things we do here at Rec Poker, to come to the podcast recording live on YouTube every Monday night at 7.30 Eastern, and uh, you can win a prize. It's a free roll. You're going to win either a free month of premium membership at Rec Poker or a month at PokerCoaching.com, uh, Range Trainer Pro, uh, the Poker Forge. Oh, God. Learn Pro Poker. I think I'm missing one. This is so embarrassing. We've got so many great partners. What a good problem to have, right? Um, but people know that recreational poker players are the lifeblood of the industry, and um, that's why all the best poker sites out there like working with us here at Rec Poker, because we can be the platform that you can use to uh, uh, thrust yourself into the next le le level of the poker world. Yes, yeah, Solve for Why is another fantastic example. Thanks, John Somsky. Um, so, folks, uh, thank you for joining us here on the show. If you're in the YouTube chat, um, you're going to have a chance to win some prizes at the end by typing the words food bank in, but don't just yet. Uh, uh, so we're going to be doing a few of these. This is going to be a slightly uh, different episode than usual. Uh, over the last little while, Kim Kilroy, uh, pet vet, you some of you may know her regular listeners here. Kim's been a Wrecking Crew member for a couple of years now, and she's been doing this fantastic series of interviews based around poker empowerment. Um, Kim's been running a monthly poker empowerment uh, group, and she's been interviewing uh, fantastic people from around the poker world with an emphasis on making the poker table, the poker room, the poker game uh, a more comfortable place for everyone to play. Um, so we're actually going to uh, air an interview that she had uh, with Juan Liu, 
a little while ago. The interview is from a little bit ago, but the material is just as relevant today. We've already shared this interview with a lot of our Rec Poker members because these uh, these videos were originally intended just for Rec Poker members so that we can put our heads together on how we can make the poker world a better place. But they're just too good not to share them with the rest of the world. So we're going to be splicing them into a few podcasts over the next few months. And I hope uh, folks get to enjoy that as much as we have here. So um, we're going to talk about some upcoming events. If you're listening to this live, it's not too late. You can join the Go for the Gold, the very first annual Go for the Gold Rec Poker uh, home game tournament that's in 48 hours. I'm getting all tingly with anticipation just thinking about it. I know I'm one of only 36 silver pin holders, asterisk, um, that gets to compete for the very first gold pin. That's going to be happening in a couple days. Um We've also got this weekend, I'm going to be leading a study group based on the Learn Pro Poker material that we have every month. On Thursday night, it's Joe Coolis's very first poker psyop session, which is going to be a lot of fun. We've also got uh, Eric Jin's Play, Explain, and Learn back on Thursday nights. So I hope folks get to enjoy that. Those are just for premium members, but there is a lot going on over here. Folks, uh, head on over to rec.poker slash events. And you'll see everything that we do here, home games, study groups, uh, all the discussions that we have, the one-on-one sessions, the group sessions. It's a lot. And Rob, might Washington, even, got... there, there might even be a book study this week. <laughs> In fact, I have it on very good authority that there absolutely <laughs> will be a book study this week because it's either the first or third Wednesday of the month. And Rob, you guys are chugging along to, you must be getting pretty close to the end of Matt Matros's The Poker Brain. And this will probably be the last session uh, that would cover the last few parts of the book. So we're going to be talking about uh, exploiting tendencies. Mm. It sounds so, important. Yep. Very cool. Important. Sounds very like cool. you've been building up to that. that. That's the part where you kind of deviate from some mm. of the uh, yeah. rules of thumb, right? Yeah. Last couple of sessions, we've been talking about the exploitative part of GTO. So nice. how use how you can use GTO to exploit your opponent's tendencies. There are situations, tournament situations that you can exploit, and there are specific people that you can exploit. Mm. And then there's tendencies that people have that you can exploit. So that's what we're going to be talking about this week. Sweet. When they feature people to exploit, am I specifically mentioned in the book, or is that more of just an assumption? As a, as a matter of fact, no. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks. Thanks for to Matt Matros for keeping that on the download. Then I appreciate that. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is next week, if you're listening to this, uh, when it comes out, this episode is going to come out on Friday, April 21st. You've still got a few days to get to the seminar recording, the deep dive recording that Chris Jones runs every month. Uh, that's on Monday, the 24th, right after next week's podcast, which is going to be a lot of fun, too. We're going to be welcoming Elizabeth Bennett Martin onto the show, a uh, longtime Rec Poker member and recent winner of the Irish Open Ladies event. Um, and that's not all. She's been on quite a heater. And uh, we're very excited to be talking to her about how Rec Poker has really been that springboard that's allowed her to just, just <laughs> launch herself into the next level of the poker world, like I was talking about earlier. So I'm very excited to be talking to Elizabeth about that and all the fun that she's been having with her poker friends forever, Kim Kilroy and uh, Stewie. What's so are you time? taking full credit 
for her victory. That's what I just heard. I just I'm, heard I... that Jim Reed was the reason <laughs> that Elizabeth won. Actually, it's funny. Um, she would be the first to say that uh, she's been a good friend with Kim Kilroy and uh, Stu Carriage for a long time. I think they've got quite the poker hive mind going going there. Those three, they study a lot. They play a lot. And it just goes to show the value of having a community like this where you can come and brush up against other other rec po- oh, all sorts of people are about to jump in on me here now. And, yeah. Well, no, I, was just, I was just going to say some, some of our members blame you for every one of their losses. So, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that's true. I, I guess you got, you got to take credit for some of the wins sometimes, I guess. That's variance, man. I like that. Just roll with it. You know, we're going to, we're going to take it. Joe, you, you <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't think you should be giving away the collusion of a true hive mind where they can understand <laughs> each other's cards at the table. I just think that that's, <laughs> That's really just let them be, man. Let them win. You're right. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, and I was just going to say, yeah, they are definitely a force to be reckoned with. They are constantly doing great in our home games and uh, some of the brightest minds that we have here. And despite the fact that you are involved with Red Wreck Poker, they are doing great. <laughs> That's right. Uh, the the typical knife twisting from the Wrecking Crew here. You know you're among friends uh, here on the Wreck Poker Podcast. Well, uh, thanks everybody. So because we are going to be uh, editing in this interview, this interview has already occurred. Um, I can I've I was part of it. Uh, it's an excellent interview. It's not one of those ones that we haven't conducted yet. So I won't be making any guesses about Pulitzer Prize winning uh, efforts or anything like that. Um, but since we haven't, since we're not going to be doing the interview on the show here, folks, why don't you start typing the words food bank into the chat here? I know we probably don't have as many listeners at this moment as we usually do because we're still pretty early in the show, but we can get our uh, get our raffle going. And um, so, all right, so we'll throw to the interview here with uh, Jean Lu, and then we will start talking about home game results and some other exciting things coming up, and we'll give away some free prizes. So without any further ado, on to the interview. All right, we're recording. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Kim. our... Hi, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> um, we want to welcome today um, my friend and a fellow Canadian, Swan Liu, um, to the Empowerment Group meeting today. Um, I've known Swan for a few years. She was a coach for me. <laughs> I think I was one of her first students. Um, she's, uh, let's see, she's from Toronto originally, and um, she grew up in Toronto, went to Waterloo, um, played online and local casinos while she was in school. I he- heard some stories about you and through oh, no. Mike Watson's stories and Waterloo stories. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll go, we won't go there. Uh, she started traveling on the EPT circuit and had some breakout results. Um, she was on the EPT Players Council and on the uh, Global Poker League um, Canadian winning team. Uh, that was so much fun. I was so sorry that that didn't last too long. I love yeah. that Global Poker League. Um, and was sponsored by a few sites, traveled for many le- years to play poker. Uh, as she eventually took a personal break, and now and now she's uh, playing invitational cash games. Uh, just bought a house in Vegas. Uh, and she does Chinese commentary for WPT events. And she's a consultant and instructor for Poker Power, Power, which we are going to hear about tonight. 
That's all welcome, Schwann. Hi, everybody. Um, so let's Thanks start. Thanks for having me. Oh, Come. we're happy to have you here. Let's let's start with you. Tell I must us better a turn best. it down because it's so loud in my ears. Uh, I guess. We're just going to mute you, Kate, for a minute, if you don't mind. Um, and so... What we're going to do is ask you a few questions, and um, then we'll put uh, I'll put it out to the audience and see if anyone else has questions for you. So, if you'd like to give us a bit of a rundown how you ever got started playing poker, let's hear that. Okay, there's like the short version, and there's a long version. I'll do something in between. Um, when I was young, I always loved games of skill and chance. I watched this Chinese movie called God of Gamblers when I was like five years old or something and just like loved the concept of poker. They were playing draw poker at the time, but I just loved, you know, having an opponent, outsmarting them, counting odds, things like that. Um, so it was a very memorable experience for me. And when, you know, I first started watching poker on television, I realized that, you know, these guys, these amateurs, like Chris Moneymaker, who, like, they weren't doing anything I couldn't do. And so, you know, I was in university at the time. I was a little disillusioned with, like, my career prospects. It was so competitive. And, you know, all my friends, like, don't get me wrong, like, I, I think I'm, you know, bright, but all my friends worked harder than me. And I was just drawn to, to this card game. Um so I kind of just set out to um, play a lot online. I went to, I started at, you know, Brantford Casino, for those of you who are Ontario based, that was the closest one near University of Waterloo. Um, I started by playing one, two, live limit. Um, I graduated to, you know, the two, five game, then eventually played the uh, five, five game at uh, Niagara Falls before a while. Um, that time I was also playing online. I was crushing sit and goes. Um, I was also one of the top winners on FTP's Rush Poker when it first came out. Um, so one of the years when WPT Fallsview came around, um, I just used to grind those satellites and immediately, you know, I went from playing $5 sit and goes um, to like getting a bankroll to play like a 10K tournament. Don't get me wrong, I was not, you know, actually rolled for it, but I was definitely taking shots and I won a couple of those seats. And so, um, you know, didn't really understand the concept of selling action at that time, but just thought I could be a tournament grinder immediately. Um, went on probation for school because I was playing so much poker. Uh, so I moved down to Niagara Falls, grinded the 5-5 cash game. You know, they, it was the basically the highest at the time. I think they had like a 10-20 on the weekends and stuff like that. But, um, you know, that was, that was a pretty juicy game back then. And, you know, I was young, so I didn't have like a lot of financial responsibilities or anything. And I remember I stayed at like the hostel in Niagara Falls. It was like $300 a week or $300 a month or something. And I would just grind those cash games on the weekends. Um, so after that, like eventually, um, I was encouraged to travel for poker. I went to BCPC in 2007 and was like the last woman standing, um, kept on getting encouraged from people in, in, in the industry. 
eventually moved down to LA for a while to play the cash games there. I actually got crushed and absolutely annihilated. Um, I, I ended up getting backed, um, but went into like makeup and just thought that was like the worst period of my life. Um, but I learned so much about, you know, hustlers and angle shooting and things like that. Um, and so I, I think I moved back for a while and kept on playing online. Um, and eventually, um, because I had like, you know, nice graphs online, I was able to like sell action for like 5k NAPTs and EPTs and things like that. Exactly. Travel by fire. Um, and like so many lessons I learned from LA really helped me on the tournament scene. Just, um, you know, knowing what people are capable of, just like being aware of like all the potential angles and scams and things like that. And um, and yeah, it definitely hardened my shell by a lot, but um, I'm better for it, I think. Um, and my mom like hated the idea. Um, she really wanted me to like do something in finance. I was taking my CFA at the time, um, but she gave me an ultimatum and she eventually said that I could travel for a year and play poker. But by the end of that year, I would have to quit and get a real job. Um, but luckily I was so determined that, um, you know, I, I wanted to prove to her that there could be longevity in this career. And so I went to Europe. Um, I, you know, didn't have much to my name, probably like 50 K at that point. Um, and I played a bunch of like 5K and 10K Euro um, uh, EPTs. I just sold a bunch of my action and, you know, often stayed with friends and things like that. And that was kind of a breakout year for me. And um, I had like two half a million dollar scores within like, you know, like 18 months or something like that. Um, nice. And was able to relay that into, you know, traveling the world and getting some brand ambassadors and things like that. Yeah, that's yeah. the longer version of life anticipated but <laughs> well that sounds like a really exciting life to me <laughs> sounds great as you know we like to travel for poker as well um how did you how have you you know this is a oh, yeah. uh, group for empowering best. i know i've got lag on my computer sorry i'm at the cottage it's bad internet um we are a poker empowerment group for uh everyone but um, especially for women, to try and get more women into the game. Um, there's been a lot in the media lately about uh, women and how the game may not be uh, welcoming in certain ways for women or easy for them to break into. And how, how did you find it as a woman coming through the ranks in poker? Um. You know what, I have to be honest and say that um, while I've definitely experienced sexism at the table, I am super blessed for being like a younger, like, you know, Pretty. above average in attractiveness <laughs> and things like that. So the sexism I do is to be people who like look down on me, who underestimate me, um, who think I'm only there, you know, to like meet guys and things like that. Um, and sometimes you can use those things to your advantage. Um, but I've seen just ridiculous behavior against women who don't fit that demographic. Um, and, you know, it's 
it's, I've always been pretty vocal every time I've seen it. Um, it's just not fair. It's like when guys think that, you know, females have this advantage, it's like very small section of women. Um, you know, if you don't fit that paradigm, like you'll never be invited to the juicy games. You, you don't, you know, you're like an out person. No one's going to spend their time trying to like improve your game and listen to what you have to say. Um, and so, like I said, I've been blessed and lucky that, you know, immediately I was able to like make friends with some of the best players and learn from um, their experiences and, and that knowledge base, but it, it's not that peachy for everybody for sure. Right. Right. Um, I know that uh, the, what your latest uh, venture in poker power um, I know because I played the game that you had on hosted online and maybe you could tell us a bit about that because it sounds like a great thing. Yeah, um, so Poker Power was formed um, around last year, right before the the pandemic. I haven't been involved the entire time, but I have been for about about eight months now. Um, We were founded by um, a woman entrepreneur who has a lot of other projects. Um, she is the founder of Peak Six as well, a trading firm. Um, and one day she wanted to teach, realized um, she wanted to teach her daughter how to play poker. And I think she's like 16 years old and just like didn't see any resources out there. Um, and so, you know, when you're that well off, like you can just say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create something that's going to teach women and I'm going to do it my way. Um, so it's definitely a passion project to her. Um, we're not entirely sure the the direction that we're going, whether that's to, um, you know, be involved with real money gaming or anything like that. But the core objective is to get 1 million women um, learning how to play poker um, because no one can deny that poker skills translate to real life skills, translates to career skills and things like that. Um, And women, you know, historically haven't always had the opportunity um, to completely overcome those obstacles on their own, whether it's, you know, uh, lessons on financial freedom, um, lessons on negotiation, um, taking risks, um, improving your confidence um, in like a male dominated setting and things like that. So um, we're trying to teach all these lessons at once and through poker. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. Do you think that um, having women only poker events is is good to attract more women into the game? Um, I think it's wonderful. Um, Like I said, historically, um, women weren't even allowed in a lot of games. I mean, even these days, the juiciest private cash games at the hotel rooms with like, you know, the strippers and whatnot, like no girl's going to be allowed in those games, right? That's kind of where all the money is. Um, So having a space for women to get together and practice their craft and, you know, not worry about like looking silly in front of guys or being judged, um, it's important. It's like um, giving them more of an opportunity and showing them that they belong there if they want and hopefully um, encouraging them and and building up their confidence so that they can eventually compete in co-ed environments when they're ready. Excellent. 
Um, I'm going to open up the floor and ask if any of the panel here has any questions for Schwann. Well, I had a question because I think um, taking on what Kim was just talking about, there's kind of there's two elements to, and, and you know, I'm I'm so I'm trying to figure this out myself. Um, one, I like this notion of having like these comfortable places, like these women-only events, for instance. Like that feels like one track where we can get women more comfortable with the game, playing under you know this more comfortable circumstance. And then I think we need sort of like another parallel track uh, where um, I don't remember. I think it was June Jenkins uh, who I was talking to recently about how like the real world isn't a safe space. And so we kind of need a way to work on our our ways to kind of mitigate that that feeling of, of discomfort. And I don't know how I feel about that, because I feel like I don't want someone that like if someone's being uncomfortable, that shouldn't kind of that shouldn't be their problem. You know what I mean? Like. Ultimately, I think it is like they, they kind of feel like it's their problem. But I feel like what we're trying to do is create a situation where we all kind of own the cause of that. And I don't know if I'm always looking for ways to be helpful at the table without like imposing my version of what helpful <laughs> should be on the table. I guess. Can you just speak to a little to that or to sort of like uh, uh, that yeah. difficulty in calibrating? Yeah, I think that's really uh, a really considerate approach, Jim. Um, so my thoughts on that, I do ultimately believe it is your personal responsibility to, you know, practice and then gather the strength eventually to compete in co-ed environments if you so choose and that you shouldn't expect other people to hold your hand the entire way and always create these, you know, quote unquote, safe spaces for you. Um, however, I don't think that's what this is about. You know, like there's a ton of specialty groups. There's, you know, like Toronto location-based hobby groups. There's, you know, age bracket hobby groups, things like that. And women making up, you know, literally 50% of the demographic. Like why shouldn't we have like one special hobby group um, that, you know, has like one event every tournament series or things like that. It's, I don't think it's too much to ask. And I think, you know, people who um, who kind of like shifted around and and um, claim that like we're asking for too much or that we're like whining, like those people seem to me like they're the actual people who are whining and complaining, right? Um, yeah, it's it's all in good fun. We're not saying you know we're not as good as men. We're not saying like you know all men trash or anything like that. Like we just want like this one event where we can do our thing. Um, and have fun with each other. And, and have you experienced actual pushback yourself on from just having that private event? Like, is that? I guess I, I guess I see jerks out there, sort of in theory, talking about it. But I just, I guess I'm just always surprised at how low the floor can be for people in the poker world. Sometimes, to be honest with you. For sure, you know, it's a debate that comes up every once in a while, every time the ladies event comes up. And you know, if I have the energy, I'll engage. If I don't, then I won't. Um, Doug Polk actually posted something today um, about Maria Konnikova. I'm not sure if any of you guys saw it. Um, I read she, you the know, whole quoted thing. some article and was like, who would refer? 
Yeah, um, I didn't read the article or anything, but like, is this really the spot you want to draw attention to? Like, Maria Konnikova's done so much for the game, brought so much mainstream attention, and wrote so eloquently about the poker experience. And, you know, I, I responded to the thread and I said, um, uh, basically, you know, by by a pro's standards, no, she's not a top pro. However, by, you know, like everybody's standard, like every single poker player, of course, she's like the top, you know, I don't know, five, two percentile or whatever. You can't, you know, top is such a subjective term, right? Like, what is that in relation to? Like all your buddies? No, she's nobody. But to for the world, like they see her and it's like, wow, she's traveled on the circuit. She's, um, you know, had these like really cool results. Of course, she's the top pro. And why is he choosing to, you know, nitpick like this one circumstance where a woman's gaining recognition, right? Um, there's a lot of, I guess, like unknown male players who has articles written about him, them, that he doesn't choose to focus on, but you know, there's there's clearly a disconnect there between um, what he's what he thinks he's doing to like help the world and what he what is he's actually projecting based on like what he's saying. Um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting conversation. Like I said, if I feel like the conversation is going to be protect, productive, I might engage. If I don't, then I try to avoid it as much as possible. Do you think he really thinks that way or do you think it's just clickbait for him? Because I feel like it, it, it didn't really make sense what he was, he didn't really have an argument. <laughs> I think he really thinks that way. Oh, He's sad. really bright in a lot of ways, but also I wouldn't exactly call him a worldly or like, you know, right. cultured human. Right. Sorry, Doug. Um, I'm sure he's not watching. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that you have to wonder about, though, like somebody like him with such a huge following and, you know, there's such big issues in today's world about gender equality. If you don't have anything good to say about somebody, why do it? Right. What's the purpose in that? Right. Um, I think in the end result, he just makes himself look bad. Yeah, if, if you like went further down his thread, he actually thinks he's helping women by pointing out that women don't need their hands held um, and they don't need to put on a pedestal for everything that's written about them um, when it's just like a mediocre success. He's like, you know, a woman like going deep in a tournament or something like that means nothing. It, it's not a testament to like her skill level or, or things like that. Um, but yeah, he, he's really not recognizing that it's, you know, almost purely a numbers game. Like if 5% of the tournament field um, is women and one of them does well, it is kind of a big deal, right? right. It's less so when you're that 95%. But if, you know, there weren't many of you to begin with, then like it's something we're celebrating. And um, another response of mine was that, you know, men have been playing Texas Hold'em for like about 100 years. Um, you know, women really have not. We weren't allowed in those spaces. And to this day, we're still fighting for, you know, a lot of very basic human rights in a lot of parts of the world. We didn't have the luxury, the time, um, the determination, things like that, to think about pursuing this game as a hobby. 
And so there's going to be less women um, who get into the game, which means there's going to be less women who become pros, which in turn means that there's going to be less women who do well. You know, it's not rocket science. It's not, you know, uh, I, he's I, I would definitely like to see the demographic slowly change. I mean, poker started out in back rooms, smoking cigars and drinking liquor and keeping the women out. And that's how it started. But it's developed over the years into like an intuitive cerebral game. And we're really good at that. Women are really good at that stuff. So as it becomes more up our alley, then I think that we should, I think the grip demographic will slowly change. It just has to be encouraged in every way we can. A hundred percent. And, you know, we're not like, I don't expect 50% of the field to be women, but right now it's like around 5%, even less um, during the main events, uh, a bit more online because you can be anonymous, but I can, you know, even if we double the entire amount of women who play, like that's going to make a huge difference. Right. Do you think one of you, sorry, I'm just wondering what's, um, sort of holding some women back from becoming more involved in poker. Is it, like, do, do they have just more important things to do, in, in their opinion, than play poker? <laughs> or is it that we're too busy raising families? Is it too, is it, what is the reasoning there? Why aren't there more young women coming into the game? Which I know is what one of the things you guys are encouraging with poker power, with the college level and everything, trying to get more young women into the game. Because even if we pick it up as young women, and we maybe stop for a while and have families and then we can pick it up again in, in our middle years, you know? Yeah, it's such a multifaceted question. Um, so part of it is definitely the social upbringing. Um, you know, many women aren't taught to be responsible or good with money, to have financial acumen. Um, some women choose to do the family route and be less um, risky. So more risk averse, like not get into um, gambling and things like that. There's also the stigma involved. There's also, you know, many women around the world are taught that, you know, this is what being a good girl is and you have to follow these rules or else you're going to be ostracized by society. You're not going to be able to find a husband. Um, you know, even if you don't believe that on like, so many levels there's you know if you've been raised around people like that it's a voice at the back of your head um another aspect of it is like poker is hard work to make you know like a to make a profitable living like more than six figures a year you need to be so dedicated and so good these days i know if you know i was a bright person with a lot of prospects prospects who was you know studious like I probably wouldn't be looking to pursue poker as my number one path right um it's only because I also love the sense of adventure um and things like that like all of these things had to fit perfectly uh for me to pursue this path but you know those are rare ingredients um especially for for a female um, it's also, you know, representation. 
if you don't know a lot of female professionals who you look up to, um, then you're not going to really see it as a viable career choice, right? Um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's so multifaceted. Um, what about just as a hobby, though? Like the vast majority of men that play poker are not playing it professionally. The vast majority are, are recreational players. They're just playing it for fun or for whatever so how do we get more women into that aspect of it just let's this is a really fun interesting thing to do it engages your mind it's social I would have thought it's cut out for women because it's a social game and but you're right it's got so much stigma to it like I just tell my friends oh you're a gambler I'll tell my friends I play poker oh you're a gambler no no I'm not a gambler I'm a poker player it's like there's a big difference and I thought one of the things that was so great about Maria's book is she brought it into the into the limelight into the general public like this that poker's a a game that isn't just gambling so Mm -hmm. yeah you know that's exactly what poker power is trying to do part of it is also marketing um if you grew up during the age of you know WPT Royal Flush Girls, um, you don't see yourself as a player, right? You aspire to be those models probably. Um, And so like we're trying to market, you you see like my banner behind us, you know, this is for Pride Month, but usually we have, you know, bright coloring, like a bit more feminine, things like that. Um, And and it shows women that like, it's not just going to be a bunch of smelly guys in the basement like smoking cigars it's also you know you can um practice these um you can be social have fun with your friends and at the same time um learn this really cool skill that can help you in other aspects of your life you can use your brain power um you know you can test your limits and and it's in the all in in environment where um, it's okay. It's more about risk and analysis and probabilities rather than gambling and and degeneracy. Excellent. Anyone else have any questions or comments? Can I ask a question? Of course. Yeah, sure. Shuan, um, coming back, moving away from the gender equality issues and coming to the um, game of poker itself and the strategy, we all learn lessons over the years as we learn to play and as we um, grow in the game. And I was just wondering in terms of um, a message to female players who are learning the game and male players alike, what would be one of the biggest lessons that you have learned in poker? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, I know early on for these. <laughs> it was um, having the confidence to have other people wait for you. I know this is kind of controversial and we don't like playing against players who are slow, but when I was an up and coming amateur player, I always used to be anxious when people had to wait for me, regardless of how large the decision was. Um, because I respected other people's time more than my own time and my own abilities. And so I didn't want to take up space. Um, but once I had decided that, um, you know, you need that, you need to do whatever it takes 
to become a winner. And sometimes like they can wait if they really want, they can call the clock on you. That's fine. Um, so that was like one of the more practical things I learned. Um, another one was, I guess it's more about like work-life balance. You know, um, if you want to make a shitload of money playing poker, you can, but you're probably sacrificing a lot of other things and you just have to um, really consider if like all those things are worth your poker success. Those are really great messages. Thank you. I had the pleasure of watching your final table in person in the PCA in 2012. And, uh, you know, it was just so fascinating. And now, after these years, and I read about your mother's influence and her giving you the ultimatum, what does she think now? What happened following those two big wins? Honestly, the thing with tournament poker is, so I haven't been playing um, tournaments in a while, but every time I go play and she hears that I lose, she'll still be like, okay, so you're going to do something else now? Like <laughs> <laughs> After each one, it's like, okay, so like you're going to keep playing. Like when's the next one? But like after each loss, it's like, okay, stop now. <laughs> yeah. That's why they need, you know, lessons on probability and, and uh, sample size and things like that. Right. They mean well. So for the men that are here, we have four here, great men here. Um, when they see something at the poker table, how, how can they help in a situation where they see somebody that they feel is being rude or abusive to a woman at the table? And verbally, obviously. <laughs> Just uh, if it's bad enough, just say, dude, just back off, you know, chill out, just something like that. Just a comment like that to let him know that he's the one everybody's paying attention to. And, and uh, it, it, he's not getting the right kind of attention. That's a good answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's always tricky for guys. Cause you don't want to come off too white nighty. Like, you know, like the girl can probably handle it herself as well. So it's like, should I say something? Should I not? Um, but yeah, like if it gets really bad, definitely do maybe just like give them a glare, like when it first yeah. starts or something like that. Yeah. You don't have to turn it into a major drama event. Just de-escalate the situation and let the guy know it's probably best just to shut up and play. <laughs> well, you know, that's not cool. Something yeah. just yeah. simple, right? Yeah. All right. Well, uh okay what, 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 are, what have been your like worst experiences with sexism at the table me you personally um Sorry. i've been i've been fortunate enough not to have very many um probably because i'm not young and beautiful <laughs> but, <laughs> but i have had i have only in the form of poker play like mm -hmm men that have thought they could um, bully me in their poker play. But, right. you know, so they've soon found out that that wasn't a thing they could do. <laughs> awesome. you that's, that's the best response. Yeah. I remember playing in um, 
the main event in um, maybe 2017. And I was at a table and this uh, gentleman, middle-aged gentleman was at the far side of the table from me and he kept trying to get into hands with me. And I kept raising no matter what I did. So finally I went right to the end with him and he, and I just raised all in on him and he just, he just folded and he says, okay, I'm not getting involved with you anymore. <laughs> so, and I didn't even have a very good hand. I just had, I just knew he was just bullying me. Right. So it was like, he goes, I'm not going near her anymore. So that was fine. So as soon as I played back, that was, got some respect, but I haven't had, uh, I haven't had any really bad experiences, but I know that other women have had a difficult time and feel intimidated. I've, generally surrounded myself with people with friends so that I don't uh, I haven't had to feel that way for the most part so yeah. I've been like lucky me. but not like everybody mm-hmm. awesome. how, how do you think how do you think uh people like us that are part of a group like rec poker can help uh, as far as getting more women into the game to begin with, you know, we can promote rec poker in the poker room, but the, someone has to be in the poker room to do that. How do you, how, how can we um, maybe recruit more players to begin with? Because it seems like there's low hanging fruit there. If there's only, if only 5% of tournament players are women, there's gotta be a lot of women who would like to play, but there's something holding them back, something discouraging. Yeah, definitely. It's a great question. Um, if you want, you can, you know, either send beginning curious players to like an organization like Poker Power, or you can like start your own beginners club, um, you know, inviting women, maybe giving like fun prizes, things like that, that are more female oriented. I'm not sure what that would be at the top of my head, but, um, you know, fine. Like you can do like wine and poker events or, um, just like super casual things where we're like po- getting them to like be comfortable enough to learn the game, but also not putting so much pressure um, and not letting them be discouraged if they find out it's not for them. Um, just like, you know, being super empathetic and compassionate and, and um, welcoming, um, you know, let your friends and family know, but also like, don't be weird and say, you know, we're only allowing female members right now, female beginner players, you know. Um, I know, like, the number one reason many women get started is, you know, with their dads or their um, brothers or something like that place. So definitely, you know, your family members is a great place to start, you know, speaking of low-hanging fruit, just, like, encourage them. Like, next time they're like, oh, it's not for me or, you know, like, I bet, you know, even if they're very risk-averse, they've, they've been curious about it. And they just, you know, don't want to look or sound silly um, in front of you or their friends. So that's a great place to start. One million million women learning to play poker, that's a huge number. Do you have any idea of how many people you have taught to play poker so far? That I have personally taught? Um, Or the group? Probably a couple of hundred, but that includes like corporate events. So um, I've had maybe about like a 
dozen or so classes since I started. Um, each class is usually between um, six to like 18 players. Um, and we've done a ton of corporate events. Um, like we did a collaboration with like Kellogg's MBA program and we've done like esports events. So like all kinds of cool um, corporate crossovers, things like that. Um, so, you know, teaching women is like quite loose. It's we count each one that like we introduce to the game, but of course, like getting to a point where they are actually comfortable enough to sit at a table is quite different. Um, but, you know, there's, I think there's something like 30 million men out there who play poker. Like, I don't think another 1 million women around the world in, you know, a several year time frame is, is too much to ask. Um, we are like uh, thinking about expanding to, to Europe and eventually Asia. So, um, yeah, it's just like a word of mouth situation and, and, um, yeah, really exciting stuff coming through poker power in the future. Cool. Do you think, I don't know if there's any, um, stats on this, but do you think more women have taken up poker during this pandemic while they've been home and there's more, uh, t- ability to play online do you think we'll see more women come into the game when the pandemic is over into the live game that's a great question um i think in general there will be more players um i feel like if you didn't play before the pandemic um you probably weren't going to start during the pandemic like i could be wrong um so it's probably like you know, stalled the amount of females getting into the game. Um, I think especially, you know, the pandemic is a time where people are panicking and worrying about like survival and things like that. So unless you enjoyed the game before and used it as like a hobby or like a soothing pastime, you're not going to be like, hmm, like what should I do today? Like, you know, um, pick up a new hobby that seems, you know, quite risky and and will potentially give you even more stress during the pandemic. I'm wondering if more women, if they've had, if they were playing before a little bit, have now taken some time to study and play some more with all the stuff that's online. And perhaps then we'll see a few more of them come into the live arena. I'm hoping so anyway. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, I am, however, optimistic that maybe in, two, three, five-year time, there will be more women, um, you know, one, partially due to Maria Konnikova's book, um, two, also um, Alex O'Brien published an article in the BBC lately um, about her heads-up match with Dan Bilzerian, um, and I think that's garnished uh, pretty good mainstream interest, so who yeah. knows? Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Jim, did you have a question? I saw you type something in chat there. Yeah, I think we often talk about specific actions we can take at the table when we see someone is being made uncomfortable. But um, and I think that's not just for women, but for people generally, I think we do kind of have a responsibility to the community to self-police when people are getting out of line, no matter what. So um, but specifically, specifically with women. Is there something in, in the time of our lives when we're not at the table playing poker? Maybe when we're talking about poker with our friends or when we're creating poker content, you know, or like, uh, you know, setting uh, discussion, like, like, 
when we're not playing poker, what are there things that we can be doing to be better um, allies or champions for this cause? Not oh, at the a, table. Um, yeah. So, so, um, so much of the sexism in poker doesn't actually take place at the poker table. Right. Um, like I said, like, not that many females, if any, are going to get into the juiciest high stakes cash games. Um, and if you hear about how a lot of top professionals or even casual players talk about women, you know, judging the servers that come by, um, you know, calling women the rake, things like that, it, it's not helping bring more women into the industry for sure. So just like being more conscious of the land the language that you're using, not only in front of women, but like when you're speaking like that to your buddies, I know it's all in good fun, but um, you're kind of reinforcing these like old social habits um, that aren't ultimately good for women. So like, just be mindful of that and, you know, how you speak in front of like even your kids and things like that, because they learn from you, um, you know, how you talk about women, how, <clears throat> And yeah, all of it is, is related. And, you know, I'm not expecting everyone to be a model citizen, but just like a tiny little bit goes a long way. That's great. That's amazing. That's good advice. Um, if anyone else has any questions, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, unless anyone else has some comments. Yeah. I just have one thing I have to ask because I read about you have a love affair with comic books. Do you have a favorite character? Oh, um, I guess it's a little narcissistic, but I like X-23 because I see like some of myself in her. So she's, um, she's a Marvel character and she's kind of like the, um, she was modeled after Wolverine. Um, okay. <laughs> she has cool. like a hook. And she kind of looks like me. She has like dark black hair and, you know, she's kind of like, she's been through a lot of like, trauma and she's kind of jaded and so <laughs> she's a cool character <laughs> very good that's fun all right yeah. well um i want to thank you so much for uh coming to talk to us today and um hopefully we'll we'll uh see some improvements over the next few years and elizabeth and i'll see you in vegas in the fall yeah, <laughs> hopefully yes definitely <laughs> Um, let All me right. know if there's anything else, if I can post anything on social about rec poker. I would love to do that. And have fun, everybody. And good luck at the tables. Bye. Thanks. And we're back, folks. Uh, I usually have a nice little comment here about how, for all we know, that's the best interview we've ever done. Um, but I really enjoyed it, honestly. Uh, I watched this one when it came out because I, I was one of the people in Kim's uh, poker empowerment group which was uh, running for quite a while and had a ton of really good interviews um, with women in poker. And as, like I said, we're going to be, um, we're going to be sharing more of these over the next few months with our listeners. And it's such a great topic to be talking about. She really tapped into some really excellent minds in that part of the poker world. So I think we can all benefit to that. And, and my uh, thanks to, to Sean, of course, for, um, being a great ambassador for the game. Um, Sean's involved with uh, Poker Power as well, which is one of our friends' uh, organizations over here, one of uh, the organizations that we like to help support. Um, another great cause for for the world of poker. So speaking of great causes, I just want to mention one more time that 
now more than ever, you know, food insecurity is something that exists on a spectrum. Uh, lots of people are hungry out there. They don't have the means to put food in their stomachs. A great way for you to help your neighbor, to help people in your community, is by contributing either some time, money, or some non-perishable food items to your own local food bank. And if you just Google food banks near me, I'm sure you'll find uh, some great organizations that could benefit from your support. Be like Joe Coolis. Be like uh, Joe Coolis and make some contributions to your local food bank. It's a great way to make uh, the world a better place right in your own backyard. So, John, why don't you take us through some recent home game results and then we can tease anything else that's coming up that we're excited about and roll on out of here in record time. Well, we started off, we had on April 12th, our Mixed Game Championship Series. And Fatigue Fall, Danny Wood won their very Danny! first rec poker event ever. And I don't know that it was the first that they played, but the first that they won. And, of course, it was the Mixed Game Championship Series. Oh, that's so cool. So Danny, Danny's one of these players who he got started by tuning into the podcast. And he had a great time the first week he was here. Um, I think we had – Danny's Australian, I know. And we had an Australian guest on that got him interested. Um, he joined for free. He won a free month of Rec Poker Premium. He's been getting more involved here. He won another month somewhere else. I still have to email him back with the details for that prize, actually. Sorry, Danny. Um, but uh, this is great. This is what, come join for free. Come join for free. And all of a sudden, you're getting all these free training uh, opportunities. You're winning the home game club. That warms my heart. Uh, congratulations, Danny. Way to go. And then we had Ship and Frick, Flick Breck. Crystal. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's easy for you to say, huh? Uh, yeah. um, I think we need the... an explicit tag now for this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, won the daily TOC tournament, earning oh, a coveted wow. silver pin. So, John, does that do they then qualify? Did they sneak in under the wire? Did they did they just pull the rug out from underneath you? And uh... they did qualify for the uh, go for the gold tournament on the nineteenth. As a matter of fact, I was getting ready. I typed in the chat saying, "Hey, you just qualified for this. Be sure to go sign up here." Then I went over, logged into Poker Stars, and they had already beaten me to it. They were well aware that this <laughs> gave them the rights to play in the gold for gold and signed up for the tournament, and I approved him and he'll be uh running for the gold. All right, way to go, Luke. Congratulations, man. It's going to be fun. Oh, he's in the he's in the chat tonight. Ship and Flipwreck. I got to say, I just love that username. There's something about just the cadence of it uh, that, that makes me smile every time. Congratulations, Luke. And uh, good luck on Wednesday. But I'm I'm coming. I want that gold. I want that gold so bad. I want to be the first person to ever win a uh, rec poker gold pin. So I, I'm bringing my A game, brother. Bring it. Bring it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, and I, I want it officially known he stole my spot. <laughs> it was you were very clear right it wasn't that i didn't play well i'm sure it was just that he stole my spot <laughs> then on april 10th hazi 08 oh, got his go. second nightly victory for the year shark slayer 21 lucky haas got oh. his first nightly victory for the year family family resemblance there i think those two are related I uh, believe that is true. No, and then uh, Dandy Riggs G, Res G, got Daniel A, got his third nightly victory for the year. Nice. And just to have more tongue twisters, <laughs> Ship and Flip Breck, Luke O'Driscoll, 
got his third nightly victory for the Whoa, year. Oh, big week for Luke. And then K-Poker wannabe Ron Payton right. got his second nightly victory for the year. Then K-Poker wannabe Ron Payton won the Daily Mix. What? Event. That's two events, same oh. evening. <laughs> okay, Ron. Now, Ron, I do know Ron is a friend of uh, Kim and Elizabeth and Stu's. So it's no surprise that they've been cooking up in the lab and coming up with some uh, some great poker strategy. Congratulations, Ron. Well, yeah, this is uh, Ron's 13th, 12th and 13th lifetime victories mm-hmm. for rec poker. So getting up there. Yeah, just because he's chatty at the table doesn't mean he's not paying attention to how to take your chips away, folks. You've been warned. Oslerberger, Tron Vidar Stensby, yes. got his first international victory for the year. Amazing. Jasper Jr., Pat Berry, got his first international victory for the year. And Poker Geek Man John Somsky won the daily LPP event, so he can contact Jim at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. Yes, sir. Please do send me that email, Jim at rec.poker. I want to unlock all the secrets of Ryan LaPlante and Learn Pro Poker and make them available to you. Uh, and if you win that Sunday night tournament, it's free to enter, but you win a free month at LPP. So don't hesitate to reach out and send that email. Chris, did you have something there? Well, I was just, I mean, are you sure you, are you sure he has that email? I mean, I, I, I don't even think you caught, I don't think you caught who won that. Did you catch who won that? I didn't. I wasn't. I was. Yeah. I was drawing up uh, the. I, I have a. Was it John? <laughs> it was John. <laughs> uh, I saw that on Discord. Oh, I forgot. I was pulling up the international lobby. John, you got me going on this because um, I was playing in the international series myself this weekend. Uh, congratulations, John. By the way, so <laughs> I, I didn't get kind of used to these, but I was just pulling up. I took a screenshot of the lobby and I had to find it on my desktop. And I, we're recording live right now, so I I had to kind of pay more attention to pulling up the screenshot to the to the podcast for a second. But um, you know, John had this fantastic idea. I, I'm not sure if it was his idea. We're going to give John credit for this idea. Um, having these international series of home games at different time zones. Because at nine o'clock Eastern is not always a convenient time for people overseas to play. And so, I don't know, like a, a year and a half ago, we started adding these Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon tournaments. And I was playing in one of them on the weekend. And I was just so pleased. Uh, we always get a bunch of American and Canadian players. But this one, we had one uh, from Norway, one from Turkey, one from Germany, one from New Zealand. Uh, I don't even recognize what this flag is, um, but we're actually getting a bunch of international players playing in these morning and afternoon international uh, home game series. So it's so great to see that. And uh, again, just kudos to John Somsky, not only for his win that I was totally paying attention for, um, but also just for all the work he does here to make the home game club as exciting and fun as it is. And for, for literally bringing this game worldwide, we've got members from... I mean, most con- most continents. It's really exciting. Well, I do want to uh, apologize to people, too. Um, you may have noticed that there have been a – if you subscribe <laughs> to the emails for the home game clubs, there have been a lot of cancellations. PokerStars has recently updated how their home game clubs work. I no longer can cancel an entire series. So oh. somehow the March series – doesn't have the right end date so it's keep on keeping going on so i have to as every 
tournament starts, I have to cancel the next one. It's currently out somewhere in June or or so. But uh, I don't know. I'm by default it goes until 2024. So I think for the next year I'll be canceling this month. Hopefully it doesn't continue for the future ones, or or they update the software to let me cancel an entire series, but. In the meantime, I do apologize. I've made a few more mistakes than usual to getting used to the new interface. Um, well, and I will just make state mistakes because I'm me. <laughs> so I apologize. John, that's funny. I had noticed an unusually high number of emails from the PokerStars home, home Game Club about um, canceled and rescheduled tournaments. So that does shed some light. Is there a way, I guess I should ask, in case uh, listeners were equally bombarded, is there a way to unsubscribe to those emails? Is, do you know, is if that you, something? If you go to the Home Game Club, you on the uh, members page, you can say you don't want to see um, responses from that club. Okay, so burying the lead. There we go. That's awesome. If you don't care about those emails, you can get rid of those emails without exiting the club. Okay, fantastic. And folks... Um, you should know. So we've gotten into a bit of a groove here with these home games. Every single night at 9 p.m., uh, there's no limit home game. On Saturdays at 9 p.m., it's all Eastern time. On Saturdays at 9 p.m., there's a mixed game. Um, on Saturday at uh, 9, a, 9 a.m., there's an international series. On Saturdays at 3 p.m., there's an international series. And then on the first and second Wednesday of the month, there's the no limit hold'em and the mixed game player of the year race. So don't worry if you're not getting emails. You can turn off the emails and still very easily predict when the home games will be. They're every night at 9 and a couple extra ones on Saturdays. And if you go to the rec.poker homepage, if you just scroll down a bit, you'll see the calendar for this week. And all those yellow events are all home games. And all the blue events are all opportunities to engage, uh, study, uh, talk strategy over Zoom or Twitch or YouTube or something like that with the Wrecking Crew and other premium members or community members there. So I would encourage you to go go check out the Home Game Club. And uh, uh, especially if we're going to be getting a lot of emails for the next little while, maybe just uh, take yourself off that list. And if you have any questions about how to do that again, you can email john at rec.poker, J-O-H-N, the cool way. All right. So... <laughs> Um, so what do we say, Chris, should we, uh, should we do our role? I see we did get a few people typing into the food bank, uh, raffle here. I see, uh, Mary, oh, hold on. It's Kim Kilroy herself. She's coming in here to the uh, chat. So while we're, while we're waiting for Kim to load up here, I see, uh, Mary, Rob, Jack, and Luke. Is that what you see there, Chris? That is exactly what I see. Okay, perfect. So why don't, uh, while Kim's getting connected here, why don't you work your magic nerdy dice, and uh, we'll see who All the right. winner's going to be. Have we, we, we still no ISO cam, eh? We're still working on the... Uh... Yeah, no, I, I I need to figure that out. But it's a three. I, I, I feel like that's becoming a little bit of my trend, but it is. When, you have, <laughs> when you have a four-sided dice, there aren't that it's many gonna be. options. Yeah. That's true. So Jack, Jack LaRue, you're the winner, my friend. Um, please send me an email, jim at rec.poker. And we'll make sure that you get set up with your prize. It's just that easy, folks. Come join the podcast for free, and uh, you never know what you could win. Kim Kilroy, welcome uh, to the show. We were just actually wrapping up because our guest, uh, we're, we're <laughs> we, you and I talked earlier 
about sharing some of your interviews uh, from the Poker Empowerment Group. And um, tonight is the very first one uh, with Sean Liu. And so okay. I wanted to, uh, you, you, I was going to say you missed the interview, but you definitely did not miss the interview because you were conducting it. It was one of, one of great, one of several great ones. I'm really excited about sharing with more of our audience now that, uh, uh, now that the summer is coming up and, um, yeah, like I say, folks can expect to see a few more of those coming out over the next little while. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've given away some prizes. We've, uh, talked about some upcoming events. If anyone's uh, watching along, and if you're a premium member and you're watching in real time, you've got about an hour to go grab a bite to eat, and then you can come back and join us uh, for our forums edition of the podcast. Premium members are always welcome to join us for the forums edition of the podcast. Bring a hand, bring a forum post, something that you'd like to discuss with the Wrecking Crew, and uh, we'll get it on the air and have some fun doing it. So uh, is there anything else that we should cover here, folks, before we get it? Oh, well, we got to talk about the Running Aces poker tournaments coming up. April 26th to 30th is the Running Aces Anniversary Tournament. That's a $500 buy-in, and uh, there's going to be multiple flights leading into a multiple-day event. Again, that starts on April 26th, although I believe there are some qualifiers starting a little earlier. So you've still got some time to make it to that one. And uh, let me see. Anything else before we close this baby out? I don't see anyone jumping in. So, um, oh, I guess... uh, uh, since we are wrapping up the book study with uh, Matt Matros's The Poker Brain, um, Rob's going to be sending out some uh, polls and chances for people to vote on what the next book will be. So keep an eagle eye on the Rec Poker Twitter account for that. And if you have any suggestions, uh, email them in. Uh, email in to rob at rec.poker or post them in our forums so you can join the book club, uh, the book study group here and have access to all the other documents and images and screenshots and uh, great stuff that we use in the groups here to help make the study groups as great as possible. Okay, well then, without any further ado, uh, I want to thank uh, Juan Liu again for coming on and uh, sharing some great insights. John Somsky, Kim Kilroy, Rob Washington, Joe Coolis, Chris Jones, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino, and you the listeners. All right, you're the best. We'll see you next time.